What's up, everyone? Thank you for making us a part of your day, however you are joining us, wherever you may be. I appreciate you taking the time as we learn and try to understand from this uh, Christian here, Nathan Thompson, who claims to know that the earth is flat. So we're going to be talking to Nathan a little bit about his some beliefs, some objections to his beliefs, and we'll just kind of see where the conversation goes. So thanks for joining me, Nathan. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Thanks for having me on the channel. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. So just to start off, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, um, what you do, kind of what got you into this whole like flat earth idea? Of course. I grew up in Orange County, California. Uh, around 19 years old, I started personal training people. I did that for a few years. And then I realized, you know, most people who sign up for personal training, uh, they don't actually want to do it. They just wanted to sign up and get excited about it. And so I just kept training myself. And I ran into a gentleman who was 54 years old. And he'd been studying applied neuroscience for 25 years, and his arms were like bars of steel. And I said, what are you doing to get arms that are so dense? And he taught me about steroidogenesis and angiogenesis, and we started studying the brain and how it can produce steroids. And so like last year, I grew an inch taller on his, doing this program. And so it's a great program. He was one of the smartest people I'd ever met. And one day he told me, Nate, you ever look into this flat earth thing? And I about... And then I asked him, how long have you been looking into it? And he said, seven months. And when he said that, I about dropped the phone because I knew, you know, nobody intelligent spends seven months researching something that's completely ridiculous. And so I spent about three days tumbling down the rabbit hole, as they say. And then I decided I had to get my own um, equipment and do my own observations and my own experiments. And so I started testing moonlight, recording star trails, doing long distance observations with Nikon P900s, P1000s, telescopes, infrared, laser. We've done mirror reflection tests. So I didn't want to be that guy pointing people to YouTube videos and say, look, th these guys think the earth is flat. I wanted to be able to prove it myself. And so that's kind of how I got into it about five years ago. All right. Um, so did before this time happened, you just always believed that the earth was round before you started to look into these things? Yeah, not only was I sold out on the idea that the earth was round, I, I would look into almost every other conspiracy open-mindedly, but the flat earth I would not touch. Uh, I mean, I heard that B.O.B. thought the earth was flat, and I just laughed at him, and I thought, man, what are these rappers doing to think they live on a flat earth? And then when he introduced it to me, it gave the idea some credibility, so I, I looked at it with an open mind, and I was honest about it, and... You know, there's a quote, uh, if an honest man is proven to be wrong, he must either admit he is wrong or he's no longer an honest man. Okay. Uh, so let's just talk about some of the reasons that you claim to know that the earth is flat. Uh, we'll start with the biblical uh, kind of reasons you believe that, and then we'll transfer to the scientific. But before we get into the biblical reasons, just can you talk a little bit about uh what it means to you to be a Christian, uh, why you are a Christian, uh, things like that, if you get what I'm saying. Of course. Yeah, I came to be a believer kind of reluctantly. Um, I thought that the concept was ridiculous, kind of like flat earth. And I was at a real low point in my life where my fiance and I broke up. I was about 20, 21 years old. And I was just empty. And I thought, if there are any answers in this book, because I was looking for something to make me feel better. Um, I wanted to figure it out. And so I started researching it and I said, oh my gosh, there's prophecy in here. 
where God says something that happened is going to happen before it happens. And that blew my mind. There's also equidistant letter sequencing in the Bible. So it's kind of like code. And there's also numerology in there. All the Hebrew words can be translated into numbers or all the letters can be translated into numbers. So it makes for this really interesting puzzle if you start digging into it. And after five years, I decided that the Bible was not some book written by a bunch of guys to control people. It was an integrated messaging system from outside our time domain and 66 books written by 40 authors is the greatest love story ever told. And so after about five years of looking at the you know, history, the architecture, all the historical evidence and, and just the spiritual evidence and then relating that to everything we see in the world today just blew my mind. And I knew that the Bible was true. So that's how I became a Christian. Good stuff, man. Uh, so let's talk about why you believe or why you, you told me actually that you know the earth is flat. So let's just start with the biblical evidence. So when you look at the Bible, what are some of the passages that you point to that make you uh, believe that the earth is flat? Of course, yeah, right in the beginning. Right in, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness moved over the deep, and the Spirit of God moved over the face of the waters. So already God is assigning an objective up and an objective down. It's, it's not subjective, depending on if you're in Australia or if you're in North America. God moved above the waters. Now you look at waters, which I'll get into the science of it later, but large bodies of water are not current. And then you go a little farther into Genesis 1. God says he put the sun, the moon, and the stars in the firmament. He didn't put the earth in the firmament. Then he put the sun, the moon, the stars in the firmament. So, and they're for signs and seasons. And if stellar parallax was a real thing and we were chasing the sun through the Milky Way solar system at half a million miles an hour, the sky constantly would be changing. We wouldn't have constellations. We wouldn't have a northern pole star. And as God said, it wouldn't be for signs and seasons. Um, and so Genesis is a great example of where the Bible says here is flat. Also in Joshua, God stops the sun in Joshua 10, verse 12, to his, help his people. And that was in order to stop the day. Now, if day is caused by the rotation of the earth, then God would have had to stop the earth, not the sun. But the wheel in the sky. Sky keeps on turning. The movement of the sky is what caused day and night, not the movement of the earth. Because if you move on to Psalm 96 um, or Psalm 104, verse 5, talks about how the earth is established. It's on foundations. It talks about how the earth is immovable, how it will never be moved. And, and then you move towards Jesus's words. He says, if you don't understand the earthly things, how are you going to understand the heavenly things? And so obviously there's a huge motive to lie to people about where they live. But and then also he says that the moon will cease to give her light. Now, in Genesis one, it says that God made two lights, one for to rule the day, one to rule the night. Now, in mainstream science, the moon is not its own light. It's a reflector of light. But Jesus said the moon will cease to give her light in the last days. And um, it also says all the stars will fall from heaven. It says that the devil took Jesus high enough to see all kingdoms. So, I mean, really, there's nowhere in the Bible that would lead me to believe we live on a spinning ball at all whatsoever. 
Okay, so uh, one thing I want to ask you before we move on here is this idea that nowhere in the Bible does there, I think a lot of Christians would say there's nowhere in the Bible that the, it says the earth is explicitly flat. I think a lot of Christians would kind of look at those passages that you brought up and would say, well, those are just passages that could be interpreted into a certain facet. Uh, but none of these passages explicitly say the earth is flat. So how do you kind of look at that objection to your view? Well, I would submit that in Isaiah, he says the earth is a circle and a circle is a flat object with all points on the perimeter being equidistant to the center. Now, earlier in Isaiah, he used the word for ball, chug. He says, basically, um, Israel, uh, if, if you go against me or something, I'll throw you guys out like a ball. Or, or the nations that go against me, I'll throw you out like a ball. So he had that word in his lexicon. And when he described the earth, he didn't say ball. He said flat, circular object. Now, yeah, there is no verse that says the earth is flat in the Bible. But there is a verse that it says, test all things and hold fast to that which is true. So even if there was a verse that says the earth is flat in the Bible, there's still that other verse that says, test all things and hold fast to that which is true. So then you have that obligation to go do that. And so regardless of what you believe earth to be in the Bible, it tells you in the Bible to go test it, hold fast to whatever is true. Okay, uh, so one thing I'm trying to understand here is uh, I was listening actually to a William Lane Prog. Oh my gosh, I cannot talk. William Lane Craig podcast earlier, and he's talking about how the Bible is filled with like metaphorical or symbolic or allegorical language all throughout the Bible. Like, let's just look at it. Um, so there's a question of we shouldn't take everything the Bible says literally. For example, this example that you just brought up in Isaiah, like in Genesis, I want to say it's five where Cain kills Abel. It talks about uh, Abel's blood crying out from the ground. Most Christians wouldn't say that his blood literally cried out. That's more of a symbolic interpretation. Or when Jesus says famously, you know, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it out, your eye gouge it out, you know, things like that. So why should we take these, if these passages literally say, um, um, give evidence that the earth is flat. Why should we, why should we interpret these passages literally when we interpret other passages figuratively or allegorically or some sort of other way? Well, I think the Bible is very clear when it says, you know, like this is a parable or, uh, or, or for example, but I don't think God needs to be romantic or poetic about creation. And again, we're still commanded to test all things and hold fast to that which is true. So even if you dismiss all the Bible verses as purely poetic, but that is also a huge slippery slope because then you could just say, well, Noah's Ark was poetic and that was just a symbol. And then, and then our salvation was just poetic. That was just a symbol. And so really, I think you got to look at the Bible literally. And when it says, you know, um, this is a parable or for example, but there's nothing hazy or, or poetic about the sun and the moon and the stars are in the firmament. It's nothing poetic about the earth being stationary, on foundation, immovable. I mean, that's just clear literature, in my opinion. So that's what the heliocentric people have to do. They have to say all those hundreds of verses that support a geocentric model are just 
poetry, and uh, it's Rico de Yahweh in the sky who's trying to serenade us with some kind of cosmology about a flat earth that doesn't really exist. It's a globe. Like, that makes no sense. So how would you, where do you draw the line? I, so for example, when, as I brought it up earlier, uh, Jesus says, if, you're right, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I'm guessing you don't take that passage literally? No, I, I think what he's saying is don't sin. Like take it very seriously not to sin. So you wouldn't interpret that passage where, in a literal way where if your right hand causes you to sin, you should cut off your right hand. The problem is, is your right hand doesn't cause you to sin. It's the, it's, sin comes from the heart and from the mind. So what he's saying, that makes no sense because you could still sin with no hand. Okay. Okay. What he's saying is if something is causing you to sin, get rid of it. Okay. That's what he's saying. So, yes, I would interpret it. In that instance, not literally cut off your hand, cut off whatever is causing you to sin. Okay, so why do you, uh, I'm just trying to understand where you're coming from with your views. I'm not trying to be like, I hope I'm not coming across as rude in any sense of the way. Um, So you don't interpret that passage in a totally literal sense, but then you'll interpret some other passages such as this one in Isaiah that you referenced in a totally literal sense. Why why are you drawing the line there, so to speak? Or where do you draw the line on literal interpretation in the Bible? No, I take that other one literally, too. I'm saying if your right hand caused you to sin, cut it off. The problem is your right hand will never cause you to sin. Sin comes from the heart and from the mind. It's a rebellion against God. So your hand can't cause you to rebel against God. Your elbow will never cause you to rebel against God. Your shoulder is never going to cause you to rebel against God. It comes from the heart and from the mind. Okay. And so he's the problem is natural men don't understand spiritual truths because they live and think in a natural world. So I don't expect spiritual truths to become self evident to natural men. Anyone who has spiritual guidance reading the Bible is going to know God doesn't want you to cut off your hand. He's saying, don't sin. All right, so let's just move on here. I think we've gone deep enough into that for a little bit. So let's talk about some of the scientific reasons you believe the Earth is flat. So if you just want to take a few minutes, uh, take as long as you need, just make a scientific case for why you believe uh, science shows the Earth is flat. Yeah, well, there's no observable curvature. If we lived on a ball 24,901 miles around, you'd see eight inches approximately of curve in the first mile. And that would increase exponentially because it's not linear. It's logarithmic. Uh, so it's eight inches. Then in 10 miles, you're at 66 feet. At 100 miles, you're at over a mile of Earth curve. And the problem is we have long-distance photography from 275 miles away called Barde Krenz. We've been doing long-distance site observations. The black swan puts the horizon past nine miles for an observer five feet high and the horizon should be no farther than three miles away. So over and over and over again, we're finding that all over the earth, there's no curvature. And if you look in the hydrostatics, when large bodies of water are at rest, it says the surface is level and horizontal to the container. Now that's not just with water, that's with air. That also goes with molten metal. So when they make glass and when they make mirrors, they lay the molten 
metal for the glass on uh, a lake of molten lava and the it separates out flat and also that's how they make the glass and the mirrors with no bubbles and so it's all hydrostatics the surface of the earth is a level plane the best proof is water you take a look at a specular reflection off a large body of water at rest it will be a perfect mirror image there is no light diffusion if the surface was convex the light would be diffusing outwards and you would see some sort of distortion in the reflection similar to how you go to a circus and the mirror is curved like this or it's curved out and you look skinny you're fat we see none of that distortion on the water um, and the sunset will will dance across the water all the way to the horizon which again the horizon is always flat even neil degrasse tyson says that from 128,000 feet the red bull space jump the horizon was flat so if none of us are seeing earth curve why does anyone believe that there's earth curve i mean red bull can't even observe it from 128,000 feet now the next best scientific evidence that we're not on a spinning ball in space is that the earth doesn't move so uh, every test to prove Earth moves has failed. Uh, you take a look at the Federal Airline Administration. They train pilots on a target generation facility. It's basically a flat Earth simulator with a non-rotating Earth. And they also don't account for a gravity vector. So the FAA is saying it's flat. We've got NASA, Army, Air Force documents I'll talk about. It, but let's forget the government for a little bit. Um, there is no Coriolis. Now, mainstream science teaches that the earth is a stationary reference frame. We don't feel it moving unless you're drunk, but the atmosphere is a secondary reference frame that moves separately from the earth. But that doesn't happen. You look at hot air balloons, drones, helicopters, balls you throw in the air, golf balls you hit off the tee. Earth is not rotating under the atmosphere and the atmosphere is not moving separately from the earth. Sometimes there's wind outside, but that's not Coriolis, that's wind. So then another big problem is uh, we're supposed to be blasting through space. Uh, the sun travels through the Milky Way at approximately 500,000 miles an hour. The problem is the sky is a perfect map and a perfect clock. They've been doing astroarchaeology for thousands of years, lining up giant buildings and pyramids and megalithic structures to the sky. But on top of that, We've got constellations. Everyone's familiar with that. I mean, the key word in that is constant. They, they don't change. They have been uh, the same for millennia. So the sky is a map and a clock. And then you have this atmosphere of pressure around us. And you can't have gas pressure without a container. So you've got the flat water, the earth not rotating. Then you've got, uh, you have to have a container. And the sky's a map and a clock. So aside from that, I mean, what more science do you need? All right. So let's take a look at some objections, so to speak, of your view. Uh, we'll get some challenges uh, from scientists or uh, observations, things along those lines. We'll kind of look at some of the common beliefs against your view. So the first thing I'm wondering about is the idea that from a plane, you can't see the curvature of the Earth. Is that is that is that true? Is that what you believe? Uh, well, I don't believe that. I mean, you, you can't see the curve from an airplane, period. And you look, ask pilots if they've ever seen the curve. If they're honest, they'll admit no. But just look at footage from an airplane. Look at footage from the um, SR-71 and the, and the 
the 60, 70,000 foot footage, there's no curvature of 60 and 70,000 feet. And then you look at the Red Bull space jump. Um, not only was the horizon flat, Neil deGrasse Tyson admits it was a fisheye lens, but the Earth didn't rotate under Felix Baumgartner. He, um, uh, for three hours, he ascended up into the air and he landed right back down in New Mexico. So tell me how if Earth is rotating a thousand miles an hour at the equator, that he lands back in New Mexico. That's impossible. So there is no Coriolis. Yeah, and um, the Earth's flat. That is what it is. Well, I gotta say the dog is making this video very adorable. I love your dog. Uh, but <laughs> so, so uh, with the idea that have you ever been in an airplane? I'm curious. Have you flown? Yeah, I fly about once a month. That's okay. one of my favorite places to talk about flat Earth because the people have nowhere to go. They can't run away. They're on the phone with me. And then I can tell them, look out the window. Look how flat it is. I mean, yeah, it's, it is totally flat. So I'm, cu I'm curious because – so I was on an international flight uh, about a year ago, and we're, we're flying over the Atlantic Ocean, and – you have these little like cameras where you can like see through and look like what is like in front of you, like the front cockpit camera of the plane, so to speak. And as I'm looking through that camera, I saw what looks like and what I believe is the curvature of the earth. Like you can, I can look at it and, and when I, what I saw, it wasn't flat, it was curved. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts? I'm I mean, not talking that's about- a, That's a B-12 Lancer. It's got a cruising altitude of way above commercial airline flight. I mean, I could go on for days. I took this photo myself from an airplane a few months ago. So not to mention, we have um, high altitude footage of over 100,000 feet where there is no curve on the horizon. So people just believe that there's curve and sometimes they hallucinate it. But that doesn't mean it was ever there from an airplane. So do you believe that I hallucinated when I saw, because I think, I mean, the pictures you showed me are from the side. What I was looking at was directly in front of me, like a cockpit's eye view of this curve. So wh what what did I see? Did I hallucinate? Okay. So did you look through a lens or did you look out the cockpit window? I looked at through a camera of the cockpit. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes there's, so it's called a fisheye lens that can distort the horizon. And so if the earth's flat out the side of the plane, what on God's green earth would make you think it's curving in front of the plane? Well, I don't think that's what happened here in this photo for like uh, earlier on when you're not at high in altitude, you could see this, like you could look at the same exact thing and it's flat. And then when we get higher, we see a curve. Yeah. When you know who Neil deGrasse Tyson is, right? Yep. Okay. He's the, Six million followers on Twitter. He's the world's most famous astrophysicist. He runs um, an observatory in New York, the Hayden Planetarium. He says you can't see curve from 120,000 feet because you can't. What's your, so, so what's your source for this? Like if someone, wants to, if, someone wants, if someone wants to check what you say, what do they look for? Yeah, just um, Neil deGrasse Tyson with a beach ball saying you can't see curve from the Red Bull Space Jump. He was on stage at a college and was get, was talking about how if you have this beach ball and you're two centimeters above this beach ball, you don't see curvature. And he's basically saying when you're 128,000 feet, you're still 
not high enough off the ball earth to see curvature. So nobody, not even Red Bull Space Felix Baumgartner, has seen earth curve in their life ever. Not from an airplane, not from anywhere, because it doesn't exist. Okay. I think that we'll move on from this point. There's a lot more ground I want to cover during this time. Um, So let's talk about sunsets. Uh, How do you view a sunset uh, from a flat earth perspective? Because I think from at least my perspective, anyone who typically believes that the earth uh, is round is that obviously the earth is rotating and that's kind of how we get our sunsets when we're rotating. Obviously I'm not a scientist, so I'm not explaining this perfectly, but uh, you know, the earth is rotating and we see sunsets. So how do you view a sunset? Like if the earth was flat, why wouldn't everyone see a sunset at the same exact time? Um, well, because the sun is small and localized, so it can't light up the entire Earth at any one given time. And from where you are, as it moves away from you, it will approach the horizon. And then when it's too far away to see, you will have what's called a sunset. So I kind of feel like this is an ambush debate. If you wanted to debate me, I'd charge $200. But I don't want to debate you. So if you have a question about how something works on flat Earth, I'll just tell you how it works, and then we can move on, like, right away, okay? Okay. I mean, we can do that. I'm not trying to debate you. I'm just trying to understand your view and asking follow-up questions. I'm not looking for a debate. Gotcha. Yeah. So the sun is small and localized. That's why we have sunsets, because it's moving. The wheel in the sky keeps on turning. And at some point, it will get too far away for you to see. Okay, uh, let's move on. So let's talk about the idea of a lunar eclipse, because I think this is one of the most common things proposed to show that the Earth is not flat. So if the Earth is flat, when there's a lunar eclipse, wouldn't there just be like a flat shadow on the Earth? But for some reason, uh, when we have a lunar eclipse, the whole Earth is covered. It's a, it's a full shadow. Okay, so how does the moon changing color prove that the floor is flat or curved? What? Because you're, you're, you're saying one of the best proofs the Earth isn't flat is a lunar eclipse. Now, a lunar eclipse is when the moon changes color. What does that have to do with the surface of the Earth? Why are we looking at the moon to determine the shape of the floor? So I just want you to understand, this is globe Earth logic 101, where you point at the sky, act confused because the light changed color, and then say... How's that work if the floor is flat? Okay, that's not like good logic. That's not like you don't look at the sky to determine the shape of the floor, right? I wouldn't look at the ceiling and go, I must have wood floors because the ceiling is white and stucco. No, no, that doesn't make any sense at all. If you want to determine what the floor is, you look at the floor. You don't look at the sky. Now, a lunar eclipse is when the moon changes colors. They have what's called a selenelion eclipse where the sun and the moon are both observable to one observer at the same time. Now, globe earthers will presuppose Earth is intersecting the sun and the moon, and there's a shadow being cast on the moon. But that's obviously not happening because both the sun and the moon are above the horizon, right? And so the Earth can't be intersecting sun and moon if they're both above the horizon visible to a single observer. Now, again, another problem is sometimes during the Stellanelion eclipses, 
the terminator line will come the wrong direction, okay? The shadow of the earth would have to come from the bottom, the shadow actually come from the top. Another interesting thing with the lunar eclipse is the shadow will change direction mid-eclipse. So it'll start coming in at, you know, at four o'clock and then it'll change directions and all of a sudden it'll exit at seven o'clock. And you're going, how's the shadow change directions mid-eclipse? That would mean that either the light source changed direction or the object causing the shadow changed direction. Now, I don't know what cosmology you have where the sun or the earth changed direction, but it doesn't happen on a globe at all. And so it's not the cause of the flat earth that, uh, or the lunar eclipse on a flat earth. It's not a shadow. Shadows are black. I've observed a lunar eclipse. They are glowing red. Like when you light copper with a blowtorch, and you take the copper out of the fire and it's glowing red, that's what a lunar eclipse looks like. Not a shadow. So okay. tons, of reasons, tons of reasons that a lunar eclipse doesn't work on a globe, but also has nothing to do with the shape of the Earth. Okay, so could you explain to me a little bit how eclipses are possible in a flat Earth model? Like, I'm trying to understand it because I feel like I'm just a little confused on how an eclipse could be possible uh, if the Earth is flat. So you don't think that the moon could change colors if the floor is flat, Zach? This is what's called cognitive dissonance, okay? The moon changing colors has nothing to do with the shape of the Earth. Okay, okay. we're gonna leave we're gonna leave that there, and we're gonna move on. Um, so here's another question: What about Everyone who's been to space, like obviously we have astronauts who have gone to space and none of them have said the earth is flat. Uh, there'd be people who, lots of people have, who have taken photos from space and all the photos that we see are these round models. Uh, everything, at least everyone claims who has been to space or taken photos from space that the earth is round. So how do you view uh, that whole um, bunch of, reasons that yeah, people believe the easy. earth is round that's easy space is fake and those people are liars what evidence do you have for that can't have gas pressure without a container the sky is a map and a clock so i kind of went over that earlier how we're not blasting through space and how the atmosphere would require a container so the vacuum of space is not real it exists in people's imagination so what about the rockets that people have seen that's been launched into space? How do you look at that? Rockets are parabolic. Do you know what the word parabolic means? Not exactly. Could you explain what you mean? Yeah, it's a U-shaped curve. So the rockets go up and then they come down. The, the trajectory is not up into space. They're always located like Cape Canaveral or Houston. They're near the ocean. They fire those rockets off. They're basically really expensive bottle rockets that go up in the air and then they come down. Look at a time lapse. I'm not making this stuff up. I mean, I wish they went to space, bro. I wish they weren't stealing $50 million a day from the American people. I wish. Okay. Um, so what about all these people who have claimed to go to space? Are they all liars in your view? Do you know how many people have been to space? I don't know the exact number, but it's probably in the 
well, at least claimed to have been to space. Uh, probably in the low 100s, at least. I'm not. I don't know the exact number. 556 people. You know how many countries have claimed to go to space? Probably not. Not many. What? 40. Okay. 40. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of countries. So we're talking about 500 people from all over the world. Okay. And this is like the biggest lie in human history. So yeah, all 500 people that claim to win to space are both face liars that stole your money. What I, I don't under what, what I'm trying to understand where you're coming from. I and mean, to a point, I, I get where you're coming from, but what I don't understand is why you believe all of these people would just be liars. Like for example, um, as a Christian, you, 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 got, you, you can, look at the, you can look at the evidence. They are on wires. There's bubbles in space. There's glitches with the CGI layering. They're ghosting out of the scene because they don't have proper lighting. I mean, Zach, you're joking, right? I don't want to believe these people are liars. They're caught telling you, you live on a spinning ball. And I've tested it. It's not a spinning ball. And they're not even that good at faking it. So those who have eyes to see, we'll see. And those who have ears to hear, we'll hear. i got to get this thing back on the charger. Otherwise, it's going to die. Okay. You're all good. We'll just take a moment here to pause while you get your computer charged. If you are listening to this, I appreciate you spending your time here with us. Uh, we are talking about uh, the flat earth. Nathan Thompson is joining me. He's a Christian who believes the earth is flat. He actually claims to know the earth is flat. Or we started off in the beginning talking about some of the reasons biblically and scientifically that he believes the earth is flat. Now we are talking about some objections. We have a few more that we're going to go through, and then we are going to do hopefully a little bit of Q&A at the end, but we'll just kind of see how it goes. Um, are you ready to keep I'm going, Nathan? Happy to answer any questions from the chat too, Zach, if people have questions, because you know, I know there's a lot of people who've never heard about this or who haven't looked at it honestly. And if they're willing to, you know, ask a sincere question, not insult me or whatever, then yeah, I'll spend as much time with your audience as they need. So yeah, I, I appreciate it, man. I really do. Uh, we'll get to those questions at the end. We have a few more objections we're going to go through, but feel free to ask those questions as we keep on moving. Uh, my next question for you is, first off, do you believe that other planets exist? I'm just trying to gauge. I'm not educated really at all in flat Earth ideas. So you do not believe? So there are no other material worlds. So when you say planet, the word planet means wandering star. So yes, the sun, the moon, the stars, and all the wandering stars are in the firmament. But Earth is not in the firmament. Earth is not a star. It's not a planet. It's not a light. Uh, and everything in the sky is luminary too. It's luminarious. So they're giving off their own light, the stars, the sun and the moon so okay so what about mars then like in your mind what is or what is not mars mars would be a planet when planet is a wandering star basically means that it moves independently of the star plane if you look at a time lapse of the sky i've done about 100 of them the stars make perfect circles around polaris now, of course, that circle could be distorted because of the atmosphere and it gets denser and denser towards the surface. So the closer you get to the horizon, you're gonna experience more distortion from the uh, refraction in the images above. But the stars do make perfect circles around Polaris and Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, Venus, Mercury, 
they all move independently of this rotating star plane. So that's why they were given the name planets or planetas. Okay, um, let's move on here. So another objection question that I have for you is the idea that uh, people in the military have to use calculate earth rotation into their shots. For example, artillery gunners are trained to calculate earth rotation into the, when they launch their projectiles. Uh, another example would be, I was um, either reading or less, I don't remember to a sniper who was talking about how when he had this, like, I believe it was like a two mile shot. He had to actually calculate the earth rotation into his shot. So how do you view that in use? Yeah, well, one is if Earth rotated under sniper bullets, it would rotate under everything else. Like I said, drones, hot air balloons, helicopters, airplanes, balls you throw in the air. Earth's not rotating under any of that. So, and then second, you got to look at, well, maybe that's just an urban myth. Maybe that's just a wives' tale. So the snipers really account for it. My friend Miguel Michael Angel has a $20,000 cash challenge. If you can prove that snipers are just for Coriolis, the money's yours. Problem is, he was in the military. He was a sergeant. He trained people how to shoot on the on the shooting range, and he had never heard about a Coriolis effect until he had got out of the military. So you can't just claim that oh well, it's you know only certain snipers who shoot two miles. That that's propaganda for Hollywood to convince us we need to kill people in flip flops and sandals so we can go to war, and also that we live on a ball. That spins. Okay. So why would the U.S. Army, who their job, their most important thing to the U.S. Army is to protect this country at all costs. Why would they train their, I'm just trying to understand you here. I'm not trying to debate or anything. I'm just trying to understand. Why would they train their soldiers to. Uh, they just yeah. said they don't. I have don't? a sergeant who never heard of Coriolis until he got out of the military. He has a $20,000 challenge. So if they do train people, I mean, what you were saying is the Coriolis would be different at every latitude, which means there would be a different Coriolis effect at each latitude because Earth rotates at different speeds as you leave the equator and move towards the poles. That would mean that they would be need to be retrained for Coriolis every time they enter a new base, every time they get dispatched, but also they would have to adjust for Coriolis every time they change direction of their gun because if you're firing at enemies this way and the Earth's rotating towards you uh, or backwards away and the bullets are being, then you turn around this way and now all of a sudden you're rotating with the earth, you would have to adjust for all of that real time. The thing is, nobody does that. It's an urban myth that snipers adjust for the rotation of the earth because nobody adjusts for the rotation of the earth stack. Not golfers, not football players, not baseball players, not airplanes, drones, helicopters, smoke, insects, balls you throw in the air. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. But if you want to believe, like Daryl Lee did a speech at Take on the World. Highly recommend checking it out. It's probably on the Take on the World YouTube channel. But he was in the military for 20 years. He shot artillery. And he talked about how there's only an X and a Y axis. So they move, you know, on a flat horizon. Then they shoot. And he talked about how if they were off from the projected area, then they would shut down the whole artillery scene. The commander would come by, line everybody up. They, they weren't allowed to, it was like super serious if they missed the mark by just a little bit. Oh, and by the way, 
he never accounted for Coriolis either with any of those artillery. So either Daryl's just a big fat liar, Miguel's waiting to have $20,000 taken from him, or that's an urban myth, okay? It doesn't happen because nothing experiences a Coriolis. Not smoke, insects, balls, all that stuff. So you can't just say, but snipers, but the military, okay? That, so. Okay, uh, let's go to one more question here. And then we will go to some Q&A with the audience. I saw a few questions come in. Uh, last question for you is, why do you think this is so important? Let me finish my question here. Uh, a lot of Christians would wonder, uh, with something like this idea of the flat earth, they'd say that it's almost maybe detracting people from the faith if someone, because of the minority position within it. Um, so why advocate for a flat earth so much more when obviously we have the gospel, which is uh, the most important thing as Christians, obviously. Well, when you say the gospel, I take that as the entire word, you know, and if people aren't adequately, adequately equipped with the word, well, then they don't have the spirit of the sword. Um, and how do they defend themselves without a sword? You know, and so if all you know is, but, but Jesus died from my sins and he was resurrected, but, 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 that's not the gospel to me. To me, the gospel is in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness moved over the deep. The spirit of God moved over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God separated the light from the dark. The whole darn thing is the gospel. So if we start saying parts of it aren't important, now all agree my ministry has a heavy emphasis on flat earth because I think this is one of the main things leading people away from God is the shape of the earth. It's why they teach people it when they're six years old in school, hammer into your brain every day with movies, music, the, the news. Um, it's unbelievable how deceived people are about where we live. And so I've just put an emphasis with my ministry on creation and cosmology, but I, I commend other pastors or other evangelists that just talk about the gospel. Good for them. That's just not my avenue. I feel like everyone has heard Jesus died for their sins. They believe he's some mythical fairy tale God in the sky. I'm trying to show them, no, he's not. He is the creator of the flat earth. And once people see that, it's not only hard to deny that there is a God, but I think it's very self-evident that it is the God of the Bible. All right, so let's transition to some Q&A. First question here comes from Frank Christian. Uh, he says that Mike Winger has made a video claiming there are no Bible verses that claim the earth is flat. Have you seen his video? And I'll just add, if so, how did you react to it? Uh, no, I haven't seen the video. Like, we went over tons of verses that talk about a, a stationary earth, how God is above the earth, how the sun, the moon, the stars are in the firmament. There are two verses that are kind of iffy and could be construed to be globe earth verses. One is in Job. It says the earth hangs on nothing. Well, my kitchen table hangs on nothing. That doesn't make my kitchen table a spinning ball. Okay. Now, I would agree a globe in space hangs on nothing, but technically it hangs on the gravity from the sun. So earth is allegedly orbiting around the sun. So that verse doesn't make any sense. And another one is the earth being a circle. They'll say, oh, he means ball. But a circle is a two-dimensional, flat, uh, plain, uh, a shape, object, where the points are equidistant from the center. So he didn't use the word ball, he used the word circle, and then you have all those other verses we talked about. So 
No, Mike, uh, or Frank, sorry, I have not seen the video. I just think it's pretty self-evident. Bible supports a flat stationary earth. All right. Uh, next question comes from Frank. There's a few comments here and we'll kind of get to it. Uh, he quotes Matthew 1240. It says, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Um, so his question is, no flat earth will have a heart. Uh, right. So what are your kind of your thoughts on that passage? Uh, I don't understand why you can't have a heart in a flat earth. I mean, you rearrange the word earth and you have all the same letters for heart right there. So, I mean, that verse really has nothing to do with the shape of the earth. It just says that Jonah spent three days um, in a whale and Jesus was also going to spend three days um, either collecting souls that were waiting in um, uh, Abraham's bosom that hadn't been sent to hell, but couldn't be um, sent to heaven yet because they hadn't had their sins forgiven. Or, you know, maybe he was down there preaching to people who had died prior and never had the opportunity to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I don't know what he was doing for those three days. Um, that was 2,000 years ago, but hopefully we'll find out one day. I just, you know, I, nothing about that first points to globe for me. Okay. Uh, question here from Florence Gomer. They say that anyone using eight inches per mile square is intending to deceive. I don't believe you're just a liar. Um, we'll ignore that part. Let's talk about the eight inches per square mile thing. Um, they say it's misdirection. Uh, the figure, this is the figure for the drop, different formulas needed for hidden height. So how do you look at this idea of the eight inches per square mile? Yeah, I mean, that's not anything I made up. That's your guys' math. If you plug in, um, you're at sea level and you go a mile out on the earth curve calculator, on any earth curve calculator, the dimensions are a ball 24,901 miles around would necessitate downward curvature of 7.98 inches per mile squared, which is approximately eight inches, which is exactly 0.666 feet per mile squared. So. Um, anyone claiming the earth curves is intending to deceive. So it's your guys' math. It's your spherical trigonometry. I don't have an earth curve formula. My earth curve is zero inches per mile squared. Anyone pretending there's any more earth curve than that is intending to deceive. Okay. Uh, Frank, oh my gosh, I am losing my ability to talk right now. Frank Christian says, the Bible literally says that the sun is larger than the moon, but flat earthers believe they are the same size. Who is right? Uh, you're going to have to quote the verse where the Bible literally says the sun is larger than the moon because I've read the Bible about four or five times. I've never seen that verse at all. Um, also, it says that the sun and moon are in the firmament and they appear to be the same size to us here on Earth. Um, so when the moon goes over the sun, it totally eclipses it. So I'd say they are relatively the same size. He does say that the sun is greater than the moon. But I think that's only in uh, terms of like energy and, and, and its life-giving ability. Um, the sun's light's hot, pyrophosphorescent, preserving. It's how we make beef jerky. But the moon's actually a decaying light. It causes an opposite effect. So it's also uh, cold and damp. So that's why we get dew in the morning um, is because the moon's giving off a cold, wet light. And somehow, I, I haven't figured out exactly how the moon works. That's on my to-do list. Trust me, guys. Okay. Uh, Florence Gomer says that constellations do change. It takes thousands of years, and we have measured proper motion for any. So how do you respond to that? 
Okay, so uh, you're just gonna, he's begging the question, I guess. Um, what evidence do you have that the Big Dipper was not the Big Dipper or that Orion's belt wasn't Orion's belt? Because if you look at astroarchaeology, all that stuff is still lining up. And you can claim stuff takes thousands of years, you know. Um, but if you can't observe it, you know, and we don't have any documentation of it and you don't have any data and uh, Hipparchus and the Mayans and the Greeks, they were all making sky maps. And there's only about 34 constellations. There's always only been about 34 constellations. They have never changed. So, you know, it's just people's religious beliefs. They want to believe, no, the sky is not for signs and seasons. It's not a map and a clock. It's changing because the scientists said thousands of years ago, it was different. So you're either gonna have to take God's word or man's word and decide where do you put your faith? All right, let's keep going. Uh, Florence Gomer here, another question again. Uh, they say, ask him, I don't know exactly what he's talking about here, but I'm sure, I'm assuming you do. Ask him about the direct southern ocean flights by SAA, Qantas, A -Z and Z, L-A-T-A-M. I do not know what those are standing for. He says these exist. Uh, and so how do you, how do you look at these flights? Obviously let's ignore the part, um, where he's just going to call you, uh, not honest. I just want to understand what's your take on this kind of claim? Yeah. So, um, their claim is that, oh, well, how does this flight work on a flat earth? Because, and then they will straw man a map. Let me straw man a map. It's actually one of the categories for our geo party because, uh, they don't have any really good arguments. So the FAA trains pilots on a target generation facility. It is a flat earth simulator with a non-rotating earth and they negate a gravity vector, which means they don't account for gravity in the software at all whatsoever. So the airplanes fly level over a flat earth that is non-rotating. That's why there's no drastic differences in journey times traveling east to west as opposed to traveling west to east. Um, so if you want to believe that a couple flights exist and that's your evidence, you live on a spinning ball, you're free to believe that. But if you go outside, test earth yourself, like we're all commanded to do in the Bible, you will see the earth. So not a ball. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, Florence Gomer here again, uh, another comment. I appreciate all your questions here, Florence. You're making this a lot of fun. Uh, they say eclipses are only possible in the heliocentric solar system with a globe earth and a globe moon. These distances in size have been measured. They are facts. How do you respond to uh, this comment, Nathan? Okay. So that guy has no idea what he's talking about saying distances and sizes have been measured. How do you measure the distance to the moon? or the distance to the sun. With a really long ruler, with a tape measure, what it is is it's a deduction, okay? But the thing is, is if you don't know the actual size of what you're deducing, then it's basically faith-based science. It's religious math, okay? So he says eclipses are only possible on the heliocentric solar system. Well, that's interesting because before they invented the heliocentric solar system, uh, Mayans, Greeks, the Phoenicians, the Celts, Egyptians, Hipparchus, they were all making sky maps and calculating for the eclipses when they would happen. And the Mayans were doing it quite often, guys. It's in a lot of the movies you watch and stuff. They had all these temples, and then they're doing sacrifices, and then the, the, the solar eclipse, lunar eclipse. That didn't just randomly happen, okay? They knew that stuff, when it would happen, and why. And um, in Zetetic Astronomy, 
He's actually got about three pages of notes in here for cause of solar and lunar eclipses. So you go here to 101 and cause of solar and lunar eclipses. I actually copied these notes and let me show you. It gives like the formulas for how to calculate not just time and date, but um, magnitude and um, duration. Rules to find all particulars of lunar eclipse. Time, magnitude, and duration. Let A, B, R in the following diagram be a section of the Earth's shadow at the distance of the moon. And that, so it's all right here. You guys want to know how they calculate for lunar eclipses on a flat Earth. I mean, this is people just don't read books anymore. They watch the news and play video games. Okay. 2.88 mile mushroom says, what actually is the moon? The moon is a light, but it's like the opposite of the sun. So everyone's heard of a yin and a yang symbol. That is the sun and the moon orbiting around polar center. So whatever the sun is, when you think of the sun, just know the moon is the opposite of that. Okay. Uh, Frank Christian says, uh, why is NASA lying to us if the flat earth is true? Yeah, well, NASA was never designed to tell you the truth. They were designed to put dogmatic religious propaganda under the disguise of uh, science and discovery. And so that's it. They are they're, they're a propaganda machine. They're not a research facility. Guys, space is fake. So if you have a space agency, okay, nothing about anything they do, or at least what they release to the public, is going to be uh, true. End of story. So, and they might mix in some truth with all their lies, but they do do real research. They do develop new technology. They don't share any of that with us, for sure. They have contracts to share it all with Israel, but we won't go there in this show. Um, so, you know, they just give all our taxpayer-funded technology to, you know, some people in the Middle East. That's an interesting contract. Most people who work at NASA don't even know about it, but they don't know about anything. They don't know about the Corona program. They've been launching temporary helium balloons for 70 years. And people are like, but, but we have satellites. It's like, no, we have temporary helium balloons. NASA buys more helium than anyone on Earth. Someone was trying to buy helium for their birthday the other day. The people at the store said there's a shortage of helium. NASA bought it all. Okay. Next question comes from Darth Calculus. Uh, he says, oh, first up, what's up, Darth? I'm glad you are here today. He says, do you understand how far you would have to go north-south before the Earth's speed is different? Okay. The distance between the equator and the North Pole is only 6,000 miles, guys. We're talking about a ball 24,901 miles around. So on your religion, the globe, if you walk 6,000 miles in any direction, you are perpendicular to where you started. Okay, so we're not talking about vast, ridiculous distances, guys. You, for in order to experience um, half the speed, you would only have to travel half the distance, guys. That's three thousand miles. That's the distance of the United States. Okay, I've driven across the United States in two days. It's not that far in a car going sixty miles an hour, stopping to get gas and food. 
people do it in 27 hours. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. The thing is, is that he, he just wants to say, oh, it's, you know, Earth's so big, you know, we wouldn't experience a change. The Earth's not rotating. End of story. So there, that's why there is no change in, in speeds of things in the air. There is no Coriolis. So that's just is what it is, Darth. I've been looking into this for five years, buddy. Okay. Uh, Darth, again, he says, um, how far did you get in your mathematical education? Uh, I graduated from high school, uh, Algebra 2, and then I went to college. And about two years after getting my GE, I dropped out. So, But, I mean, you don't need to be a math genius. The Earth Curve calculator tells you how much Earth Curve there should be. Just plug in how far away you are, how tall the observer is, Boom, it spits out all the numbers for you. So, you know, I've worked out the spherical trigonometry for the Earth being a globe and how much drop we should see and don't. Um, but you don't have to be a math whiz. And I'm also not a math expert or a math professor. I never claim to be. So uh, it's kind of a pointless question, but. Okay. Uh, another mathematical question here from Darth. Uh, he says, have you ever done any mathematics in non-Euclidean geometry, such as spherical or syndrilic coordinates? Yeah, I've done them in my notes before. I'm not an expert on them, but I've done them. All right. We'll leave it at that, and you can always ask a follow-up question. He says, can you explain the difference between, the, between angular velocity and tangential velocity, and which one is more relevant to centrifugal force? Wow, I feel like I am back in physics class, which is something I do not yeah. want to go back to. Yeah, see, see, this is one of their arguments that they want to make. They say, oh, the Earth just it spins a thousand million billion miles an hour, but it's RPMs, you know? It's, it's, they want to talk about the rotational speed and angles they don't want to talk about on a globe, 24,901 miles around, you are spinning 1,040 miles an hour at the equator. That is faster than the speed of sound. That is faster than airplanes travel. That is insane. So not just that, but there is no evidence that the Earth rotates. We have no Coriolis. Only people who feel Earth moving are drunk, okay? So like adherent, you'll sound smart, to dumb people, when you talk about angular velocities and tangential velocities, you'll sound smart to dumb people, okay? But you don't sound smart to me. You don't fool me. I know exactly what you're doing. Okay. Spartan Theology. What's up, Spartan Theology? He says, can Nathan explain what the speed of the Earth's spin would look like when scaled down to a tennis ball? Yep, but the Earth's not a tennis ball. The Earth's 24,901 miles around. If it spins every day, then it spins 1,000 miles an hour. So just got to get over it. I mean, Glover's just crying now that their religion states that they spin a thousand miles an hour. It's not my fault that your religion lied to you. Okay. I'm just here to tell you the truth. You're not spinning at all. And if you look at water on a tennis ball, when you spin it, it flies off. It doesn't stick to it. Okay. We're going to leave that at there. Uh, 2.88 mile mushroom is here again. He says, why don't super moons cause super tides? Brilliant. Excellent. Yeah, because gravity is a myth. Um, it started out with mass attracting mass. Newton even pleaded, hey, don't ascribe that theory to me. It's ridiculous. I don't know why anyone would believe it. But now that's been superseded by the theory of relativity, which is bendy space-time causing things to fall. 
Okay, nobody's ever observed bendy space-time. You can't test bendy space-time. It is theoretical booga booga nonsense. So it's you know, why don't supermoon cause super tides? It's a great question. Is you know because because uh, the gravity is not real. The moon's gravity is not what's causing tides. If gravity were real, the moon wouldn't pull the oceans up towards the moon. The Earth would pull the moon down towards the Earth. Okay, uh, Spartan Theology, I guess this is a question for me, he says, what do I think about the Flat Earth position? Do I think it's an honest position? I am unconvinced at the Flat Earth position. I don't want to call people liars because I don't have any reason to at the moment, but I haven't looked into it a lot, but that's kind of where I'm at. But this is not about me. This is about Nathan. Nathan is the one who's made the time to join me today. So uh, Darth Calculus says, distance to the moon can be calculated with Newton's theory of gravity. I know you say gravity. You don't believe in gravity. So how do you... Look at this idea from Darth Calculus. He's basically saying nothing. Okay, he's basically saying we can distance to the moon can be calculated with Newton's theory of nonsense booga booga mass attracting mass, which Newton never formulated a hypothesis for. Now, if you don't formulate a hypothesis, you can't do observation hypothesis experiment, which is a scientific method you're basically stuck there with pen and paper going, uh, but I think it's real, okay? That's not science. Science is observing something, determining what is the cause of the effect that I'm observing, then testing the cause of that effect and manipulating it in some way as a researcher to determine, yes, I've manipulated the cause and determined it is the effect. Now that can't be done with mass attracting mass. There's no observation. That's why Newton never made a hypothesis. And you can't observe bendy space time. You can at least observe mass, even though it doesn't do anything and cause things to move. You can at least observe mass, but bendy space time. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna. Newton's theory of gravity isn't even the accepted theory of gravity. Einstein's theory of gravity is the accepted theory of gravity. So you're gonna use an outdated theory to calculate distance to the moon. What, how do you calculate a distance based on a theory of bendy space-time or mass-attracting mass? Distance is a measurement. How do you measure something using an imaginary force? I don't know, maybe you can clear that up for me, Darth. Okay, Florence Gomer says, the sorrow cycle gives a rough date for the next eclipse. The heliocentric model gives the ground track to the nearest few meters in time to the second. How do you respond to that? The, near, the heliocentric model hijacked the flat earth model, stole all of our observations and calculations, and told you, who hasn't tested anything, that it works on a spinning ball. The problem is, if you go outside, large bodies of water do not curve and the earth's not spinning. So you can believe, hey, I live on a ball because NASA tells me when the next eclipse is and tells me that only works on a ball, but they hijacked all that from flat earth astronomers and flat earth researchers and told you it works on a globe. They don't even have a three body equation for mass attracting mass or bendy space time. It's just M1 plus M2 divided by distance squared. How are you claiming that NASA or all these astrophysicists are calculating where the moon will be and, and calculating for sun gravity, earth gravity, other planets gravity, Galaxies we may be passing by, their gravity. I mean, 
to think that even if, even if we lived on a ball in space, without a three-body equation for gravity, you aren't making any predictions, period, okay? So the only reason those predictions work is they were stolen from real researchers and real scientists like myself. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, next question from Darth again, Darth Calculus. He says, what it, you said, um, I asked you, what is the moon? You said the moon is a light. He says, what is a light? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, what is a light? Yeah, that mainstream science, What is it? Is it a wave? Is it a photon? I mean, they don't even freaking know. Okay, so why are you asking me? So when you describe the moon as a light, you're not completely sure what a light is. I'm just trying to understand your view correctly here. What I mean is it's self-illuminating. It's not a reflector. It's a light. Okay. Okay. Now you have a completely different kind of light than the sun. Sunlight's hot. Moonlight's cold. Sunlight's preserving. Moonlight's petrifying. Sunlight causes things to dry rapidly. Moonlight causes things to get damp and moist. So complete opposite. They're, they're not the same at all whatsoever. Anyone who wants to believe the moon reflects sunlight is scientifically and theologically illiterate. Because the Bible says the moon is its own light. And Jesus also said the moon will cease to give her light in the last days. So what, the moon just all of a sudden is going to decide to stop reflecting sunlight? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, Darth uh, Calculus here again. He says, I totally grant that we are going 1,000 miles per hour on the equator, which is crazy fast. But he claims that you don't know how to count to calculate centrifugal force. Okay. I mean, you can claim that. Cool story. The thing is, you only need to calculate for centrifugal force if you're actually spinning. Okay? We are not actually spinning. That's why we're not being flung off the surface of the ball Earth going 1,000 miles an hour because it doesn't go 1,000 miles an hour. So you can believe that silly nonsense. I moved on from that five years ago. I used to believe it. I used to think we spun... Not anymore. Okay. Darth says, um, Nathan, you said it earlier, you said it's 6,000 miles from the equator to the North Pole. Then you said half the distance, 3,000 miles. Would you, would have you going half the speed? Do you realize why this is incorrect? Okay. Well, if you're going 1,000 miles an hour at the equator, as you go away from the equator, that speed decreases. If you want to claim my mass off because you go half the distance and you're not going half the speed, that's fine. I probably would have to look into it more. Here's the thing, though. At some point, moving away from the equator, you would be going half the speed and you would experience half the Coriolis. The problem is there is no Coriolis anywhere whatsoever. So, cool story. Okay, Florence Gomer says uh, that you don't need you don't seem to have heard of a Berry Center. So have you? And if so, what is it? Or I'm not exactly sure what he's talking about here. I don't know what a Berry Center is. Never heard of it. Berry Center. I'm looking it up on um, the internet. Uh, it's the center of a mass between two bodies that orbit one another, and it is a point about which the bodies orbit. It's <laughs> an important. Have you ever seen a gravitational orbit in your life? Okay, let's move on here. Okay, this is going to be our last question here, unless I see something pop up. Uh, kind of a funny way to end this. Darth Calculus, he says, what is a light? 
<laughs> Something that gives off light. The opposite of dark. How's that? Okay. Um, we'll just wrap things up here. I appreciate everyone who spent some time with us today. Uh, Nathan, any closing thoughts you want to give before we wrap things up? Yeah, join the official Flat Earth and Globe discussion. We've got 130,000 members in there talking about the truth. The truth is incontrovertible. Malice will attack it. Ignorance will try to deride it. But in the end, there it is. The only barrier from the truth is the preconceived notion that you already have it. So keep an open mind, especially when it comes to the flat earth. Don't do what I did and laugh at people who think the earth is flat because they're onto something. And for five years, we've been onto something. You want to follow my journey? Check me out on Instagram. The globe is flat is my Instagram tag. My YouTube's Nathan Thompson. If anyone has any questions for me, flatearthflyers at gmail.com. I also have a website, feflyers.com, if you want to order any flyers. And I, it's been a real honor having you on the show, Zach. Uh, having me on the show, Zach. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you've been a great host. Yeah, you asked some really good questions. So thank you. Yeah, it's been an honor, man. I'm glad to have you. I've learned a lot from your view. One last question here that I thought of before uh, we sign off here. Nathan, is there anything that could convince you that you are wrong and that the Earth is a globe? If so, what would it be? Yeah, I'd need to see some evidence of like downward Earth curve. Um, that'd be great. Problem is when I go outside and do my measurements, yes, objects disappear bottom first. That happens on a flat earth. Yes, we can't see forever. That happens because of perspective and angular resolution limits. Um, yes, those conditions will actually change day to day. Um, what would need to happen is that the flat earth would have to morph into a ball. The floor would have to change into a ball and then would have to start spinning then I would believe we live on a spinning ball. Okay. Uh, we are going to wrap things up now. If people want to follow you, Nathan Thompson, what are they doing? You talked about it a little bit, but is there anything you want to add in terms of plugging your medias, your social medias, and how to follow you? I'm always blocked on Facebook. Literally got blocked 14 times last <laughs> year, guys. So it's ridiculous. Um, and I'm a choir boy on at church on Sunday on Facebook. I don't post vulgar images or say really nasty, I don't curse on there. It's insane that I'm the most censored person on Facebook that I know, but I guess it comes with the territory. So you can find me on Facebook, Nathan Thompson. The best way to follow me is Instagram, the globe is flat. Also my email, flatearthflyers at Gmail and my YouTube guy. And uh, keep up the good work. Keep searching for truth, Zach. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you, everyone, who joined us today. Big shout out to Sydney, Florence, Darth, Calculus, Eli, and Nate, who taught me what EDT is. Uh, everyone who joined us today, we appreciate you. If you enjoyed it here in Apologetics, be sure to follow us on Twitter at AA Apologetics, on Facebook and Instagram. You can just search it here in Apologetics. Big thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon. Uh, if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash here in Apologetics. We're trying to reach part-time funding. You can pledge as little as $1 a month and make live streams like this possible. So if you were able to do that, I would really appreciate your support. That's it. Appreciate everything you're doing, Nathan. Uh, yep. Good time, man. For sure. If you guys follow this channel, go support a dollar for Zach. I promise you won't miss the $12 at the end of the year. But if everyone supported what they like, it would be a better place. We wouldn't have all this fake news, all this violence in the media. People would put money, what they want to see, and what brings value to them. And I just highly recommend people do that. So props to you, Zach, putting this out there. I appreciate it, man. All right, everyone.